Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Newton Group Transfer, they are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. These stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up. Or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl, she got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right. It's unjust. And Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, call 888-845-3773. That's 888-84-JESSE. Or go to timesharejesse.com, Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. 
Can you feel it in the air? And ask Dr. Jesse Friday. It's going to be so much fun today. It's just absurd how much fun we're going to have here on the Jesse Kelly Show. As promised, this is going to be a different day. You know I've been cutting down the guests steadily. You know how many we have today? None. You get three hours of nothing but me, making you maybe the luckiest person in the history of the world, Chris. Ha, 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 ha. 877-377-4373. Jesse at show.com. We have, well, here's where we're going today. Height. We're going to talk about height for men. We're going to talk about the best heights for women. Let's make sure we offend everybody under the sun. We have an alternate history scenario where Hitler doesn't hate Jews. We have to prevent the assassination of a list of historical figures. We can only pick one. I'm going to pick one and it'll upset everybody. We have a question about should this gentleman leave his job or not? And your kids, do you want them going to school with, quote, troubled kids? Should you want them going to school with troubled kids? All that is today, and there's a lot more than that on an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. I have a humongous stack of emails here, and I'm going to try to churn through all of them just as soon as I'm done going back in history a little bit. Now, let's go back to a little place called Cuba. It's still around, from what I understand. I'm a bit of a, a bit of a geographer. It's still around. But back in 1898, there was something called the Spanish-American War. And the Spanish-American War was not fought in Spain. It was fought in Cuba. Spain had controlled Cuba prior to that. Spain was, by this point in time, in a, a nosedive doesn't even do justice to what their empire was doing. At one point, Spain was just so absurdly rich and powerful. And man, talk about a fall from grace. They just lost it all in the course of like 100 years. This lost it all. And Cuba was one of the final ones. We were a rising empire. We were not what we are today, but we were a rising empire. Got ourselves involved in Cuba. Kicked the Spanish out. The Cuban people were very much chafing under Spanish rule. Boom, get lost, Spain. This is, well, this is our place now. See, it was one of those funny things where the Cubans thought they were fighting against Spain because we should rule ourselves. Oh, oh, the Americans are staying. Oh, that kind of sucks. Now, all occupation, all colonization is not the same, as I have explained a thousand times on this show. Uh, they're an evil colonizer. Why? Some colonization's great. It has really helped pull some places, some areas, some peoples out of terrible poverty, backwards medical conditions, horrible infrastructure. Colonization has modernized and saved a lot of lives. A lot of lives. All colonization is not the same. If you don't believe me, 
Go ask somebody who's about 100 years old in the Philippines what it was like when America was in charge versus what it was like after Bataan when the Japanese came over and took over. Yeah, when America was in charge, okay, we're kind of inconvenienced by the army convoy that just drove by, and our governor, he really seems to be just doing the things America wants. That kind of sucks, but oh well, running water, this is awesome. Oh, the Japanese are in charge? Yeah, I just lost my daughter. She's now a comfort woman for the Japanese army. All colonization is not the same. The Spanish, when they were in charge of Cuba, they were not doing things well. When we, air fingers, quote, took over Cuba, we were pretty soft. Now, not totally soft, but pretty soft. What do I mean by that? Well, the guy who's going to be running your show now, Cuba, he's going to be our guy. You're not going to have somebody in there who's hostile to American interests. That's one. Two, because you're poor. And they were, because you'd been under Spanish rule forever, and it just wasn't modern enough. Because you and your people are poor, well, this is actually a really nice island. I mean, it seems tropical and everything. We're going to go ahead, and our businesses are going to come in, and they're going to buy up large parts of this place. We're going to buy up critical industry you have, like sugar. Cuba was huge on sugar. We're going to buy up, ooh, that beach is really, really nice. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and buy all this beachfront property because I think I want some hotels on it where American tourists would like to come down and lounge on a beach and sip on a Mai Tai and maybe date a Cuban woman for a week or two. So American businesses start buying up big portions of Cuba. We were really, we were really running things there, but they had their own government. Eventually, they get to a man named Batista. He is running over. He is, he is, he's the man in charge of Cuba. And this is really where we screwed up. Where we screwed up was Batista. And this happens a lot when you have colonized a place. Batista was our guy, but Batista was an absolute disaster. He was horribly corrupt, not a good man, not a good president. He just was a bad guy. But Because he was our guy, we didn't kick him out. And by this point in time, the Cuban people, who were always a proud people, I mean, they fought like lions beside us in that Spanish-American war, quitted themselves very well. By this point in time, the Cuban people have about had enough. And in the countryside, there is a fiery, wildly charismatic lawyer who's speaking out against the Cuban government speaking out against it being corrupt, speaking out against it being a puppet of the Americans, speaking out against the fact all these Cubans are poor and we have all these wealthy natural resources. The Americans are stealing them. And that man's name was Fidel Castro. Maybe you have heard of him. Yes, I know, Chris. I know. Not exactly our, not exactly our guy. Nevertheless, we're giving credit where it's due. He is charismatic, to put it mildly. He is gaining a following and gaining a following and gaining a following. And this is always easier when the people are unhappy. Remember, remember, nobody will ever, ever, ever accept communism, ever, unless they are miserable first. 
you must either find miserable people or, in the case of what we have now in the United States of America, find people who should be happy and make them miserable. That is, and this, you should always keep this in mind, that is the goal of the cultural Marxist here in America today. That's why everywhere you turn, it's, that's racist, he's racist, you're racist, everything's racist, that's sexist, he hates women, this is misogynistic, women are held down. That's what, it's a constant state of agitation for a reason. You must have an agitated, miserable people before they will ever accept a disgusting, demonic religion like communism. You must. In Cuba, Fidel didn't exactly have to work for it. The people were already unhappy, and that is prime ground for a rebel leader like Castro. Now, I do have to clarify, Castro wasn't really, as a a rebel early on right now when he's gaining this following, He's not out there selling communism. There's an argument he wasn't even a communist at this time, and we will get to that in just a moment. We're going to get through our story today. We have no guests, nothing but you and me on an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. Hang on. Stocky. Follow, like, and subscribe on social at Jesse Kelly DC. Jake's Mint Chew helps you quit. What does it help you quit? Well, I'll be honest with you. I mean, it helps you quit dipping, but I am shocked, absolutely shocked at how many emails I continue to get that tell me, hey, Jesse, I know this is supposed to be for people quitting dipping. I'm using it to quit smoking and it's working. You see, Jake's Mint Chew has 11 different flavors of long cut, but they also have four different flavors of the CBD pouches, and these things take the edge off, and anyone who's tried to quit dipping or smoking will tell you it's the edge that gets you. It's the edge that drags you back in. You last half a day, and then you're snapping at people. Go to jakesmintchew.com. Get yourself the right tool to quit. It's all about the tool. JakesMintChew.com. That's JakesMintChew.com. Use the promo code JESSE for 20% off. What is the best height for a man? What's the best height for a woman? We are going to go over that. We're going to go over stopping historical assassinations, leaving your job, and so many other cool things on an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday here on the Jesse Kelly Show. Do not forget, you can find me on social media at Jesse Kelly DC on Twitter, on Instagram, and on Facebook. I'm also on Locals. That's the one I can't be kicked off of. Back to Cuba while we finish our story here. Batista is a bad guy, a corrupt guy, a crappy president, but he was our president. Castro is a rebel. Castro is gaining such a following 
that he essentially is just taking control of large parts of the country. And then by 1959, Batista just gets on a plane and leaves. It's over. Castro runs things now. Now remember, we don't know that Castro was a hardcore communist yet. America definitely didn't know quite yet. We weren't sure what to make of him yet. We, we obviously wanted Batista. He was our guy. But, hey, maybe, maybe Castro will be our guy too. And one of the first things he does is, hey, that military base you have here in Guantanamo Bay, yeah, you can, have, you can keep that. That's fine. So, all right, we're like, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe he won't be that bad. Uh-oh, that lasted about five minutes and he became that bad. He begins seizing, nationalizing instantly the huge industries of Cuba, ones where we had major, major, major American interests, not just because America wanted the products, but because wealthy, powerful American businessmen owned those businesses and now they're gone. And picture, picture what that would be like. I mean, isn't it crazy to think that this is how people have lived their lives and still live their lives? You have a... a you have $100,000, and you go down to Mexico, and you take your $100,000, and you buy a, a pharmacy. And it's making money, and it's always made money. Been there for 10, 15 years, making money on it. Life is good. And then, boom, government steps in. It's our pharmacy now. And you just have nothing. And you have no legal recourse. It's not even your country. You have nothing. This causes huge Huge waves in the United States of America, not just with the businessmen, but with the mafia as well. Yes, we do have to bring up this part because it was enormous. The mafia, they were making an absolute fortune in Cuba because they had put up a bunch of casino hotels down there. I mean, straight out of Las Vegas casino hotels. They were supposed to be a blast, an absolute blast. And they had musical acts. You got a bunch of dancing girls and some blackjack and fancy rooms, and it's it, it's straight out of Las Vegas and making a fortune. Castro comes in, kicks them all out, and takes all that stuff from them, which is part of the reason why, and this is actually not part of our story today, part of the reason why the CIA approached the mafia to help them assassinate Castro. And the mafia was more than happy to try to participate. They all wanted the guy dead. It actually is pretty impressive we never got the guy considering how many people wanted him dead. But let's continue on with our story. Now we're mad. Now we're really mad. And Castro has money. Not a ton. He doesn't have endless supplies of it. But there's, there's wealth. There's industry in Cuba. He didn't take over some absolute dump. He's got stuff there. He has money. He is feeling a little threatened, and he's kind of a militaristic guy anyway, so he starts buying up weapons. Not just a couple pistols either. He's even buying armor. Well, you can't just go down to the local tank shop and buy armor. You have to buy that stuff from somebody. Castro finds a more-than-willing seller in the Soviet Union. We are in the heart of the Cold War. We are rapidly against communism in the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union is being very, very aggressive. We are being very, very aggressive. 
This is an ideological war for the world. Both sides are under the impression that it is an ideological war for the world. And looking at how things turned out now, considering the communists took over virtually everything, it's hard to say they were wrong. But the Soviet Union had no foothold whatsoever in the Western Hemisphere. It was was mainly, look, remember, and we're going to talk about this a couple times today, and we always talk about it during the Cold War. Obviously, I'm rapidly American, patriotic, and think communism is the worst freaking thing in the history of mankind. However, always remember this during the Cold War. Whenever someone brings up the Cold War for you, you talk to a Soviet, read anything written by the Soviet generals and leaders and things back then. They thought we were being very aggressive and very belligerent. And when you hear their justification for it, they're not necessarily wrong. We had way more nukes than they did, and we're yelling about them building a new one, and they're all, you have tons! What do you mean? You're the one being aggressive. Well, you yell about the Soviet Union's aggression, and you should because communism's evil. We were the ones all over the Eastern Hemisphere. They had nothing in the Western Hemisphere, nothing. And so they decide they're going to start playing offense, frankly, as they should have. They view Cuba as being ripe for them. Can you imagine? We can get a foothold in the Western Hemisphere. We can try to take down those dirty capitalist dogs. And the foothold can be right off the coast of America. What a gigantic double middle finger that is to America. So the Soviets are looking at this, and they start licking their chops. Khrushchev is in charge of the Soviets at this time, and he starts to aggressively flirt with Fidel Castro. Castro, uh, a lot of these uh, Central South America, a lot of the Latin dictators, even the communist ones that rose up were like this to their credit. Castro was his own man, though. He wasn't some Soviet lackey at this point. History paints him as that already, and you could argue he eventually turns out to be that. But at this point, he's his own guy. He doesn't want to be run by anybody. He's very much a Cuba for Cubans kind of a thing. But Castro starts to flirt with him. And the Cold War starts ramping up and ramping up and ramping up. Now, Dwight Eisenhower is the president. Maybe you've heard of him. And the head of the CIA at that time is a man named Alan Dulles. You don't have to worry about remembering that name. You know, I don't give you too many names. You can remember it, though. Whenever you hear about Dulles Airport, that's who it's named after, the, the, the CIA guy at the time. So there's a little water cooler trivia for you today. He's a CIA chief, and he presents Eisenhower with a plan. What's this plan? Well, here's our plan to murder Fidel Castro. That's what the plan was. Now, we had to be delicate about it. We can't just take a bunch of Marine battalions and storm the shores of Cuba and go knock on the presidential palace doors of Cuba and fire a bullet into the back of the head of Fidel Castro. That is way against international law at this time. And the America versus Soviet Union thing had a huge aspect to it that is not talked about enough. A propaganda aspect to it. Everybody, not only were we trying to make sure the communists couldn't succeed, we were trying to look like the good guy to the whole world. 
and make them out to be the bad guy. And they're doing the same thing to us. We're the good guy. America's the bad guy. Well, if you're the United States of America and you decide to go down and openly assassinate the leader of a nation, tough to, play, tough to paint a pretty face on that now, isn't it? Alan Dulles had a plan. A dumb plan, but still a really cool plan. And we're going to discuss it in detail next. Hey, Dad, your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad, your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. It is an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday, 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. I'm so excited to insult everybody when we discuss the best heights. And I will, look, spoiler alert, just a little spoiler alert when we get to your Ask Dr. Jesse question about height. I'm not going to say mine is the best. Now, I personally am the best. But my height, not the best. I will explain the best heights for men and the best heights for women. Let's try to wrap up our story here. Alan Dulles, CIA chief, goes to President Eisenhower and presents him with a plan to kill Castro. We can't do this overtly. We are in the middle of a propaganda war uh, with the Soviet Union for the rest of the world to decide who they'd rather be. And the Soviet Union, because they're dirty, disgusting communists, are not exactly ahead in the game at this point in time because communists can't help themselves. They take over a place, they pull people's fingernails out and murder everybody. So they're getting some bad press and earning every single page of it by now. The plan is this. Why don't we recruit a bunch of Cuban exiles? Because when Castro took over, not everybody was all, oh, can I, Castro, I love you. There were a bunch of people who took off out of Cuba who hated his guts. The CIA plan was let's recruit a bunch of these people, train them to be fighters, have them, Cubans, go back into Cuba, storm the beaches. By then, the people who surely all hate Castro will rise up, kill him, and then we can have our Cuba back. Casinos, sugar industry, everything else. Eisenhower likes this plan. 
Eisenhower gives it the go. They go down and they find some Cubans. And then as now, where would you find some Cubans if you're looking for some in America? Yep, they went to Miami. They went to Miami because there are Cubans all over the freaking place down there. And they find 1,400 of them. Now, I don't want you to be under the impression they find 1,400 former Cuban military guys. They do not. But they do find some brave, honestly, patriotic Cubans. I don't think enough is said about these Cuban exiles who are recruited for the hard work and bravery they put in here. They find college students, uh, doctors, farmers, just patriotic Cubans, and they say, come with us. We are going to train you to be guerrilla fighters, soldiers. And remember I said there were 1,400? Just a little side note. They gave them serial numbers, but they gave them higher serial numbers, so if they were ever caught, the Cubans wouldn't know how many there were. There were only 1,400 of them, and they're telling this guy, hey, your serial number is 2,500. You know, they don't, they don't want the Cubans to know how many there are. But they give them serial numbers, and they take them to the Everglades, and they begin training. Then eventually they moved, by the way, to Guatemala and Panama. And I mean vicious training. They're training them in infiltration. They're training them in amphibious landing, explosions. They're teaching these guys how to be freaking commandos. And these guys work hard, work really, really hard at this whole thing. And guys are dying during training. One guy slipped off a a, a mountaintop or something like that in Guatemala, Guatemala and died. And they ended up naming the whole unit after his serial number. This is intense, intense training. Right about this time, Mr. John F. Kennedy takes over as president of the United States. And John F. Kennedy ran a hardcore, hardcore anti-communist campaign. It was funny because Nixon was involved in in the training of these exiles. Nixon knew about this plan. Obviously, he was involved in training the exiles. But because it was so top secret, a top secret CIA thing, He wasn't allowed to talk about it on the campaign. And on the campaign, Kennedy painted Nixon as soft on communism and soft on Castro and soft on Cuba. Kennedy ran his campaign as, I am the man who is going to take on the dirty commies and I'm finally going to do something about Fidel Castro. And during this whole campaign, Kennedy knows nothing about this, this plan. He gets elected, sits down in the Oval Office and... CIA chief comes on in and says, hey, good news, Mr. President. You know all that anti-communist stuff you were talking about? Guess what we have going on? Kennedy's jaw drops. He's like, no way. Really? Well, that worked out pretty well. Let's do it. The plan is this. The initial plan is this. And even this is, it's just hard to imagine this is, this could ever have worked. But the plan was to land 750 of these guys on the Cuban beaches. The plan is also to have a false landing one place, uh, some parachute, some guys parachuting in another place, and American planes bombing a couple places, reinforcing this whole thing. That was the initial plan. And the plan involves the people rising up, the Cuban military rising up, the people in the streets rising up. Surely they all hate Castro as much as we hate Castro. Uh, 
What do they say about assuming? What do they say about it? So Kennedy's brother takes over operations. And Kennedy hasn't really given the green light for this whole thing to go yet until he gets word that the Soviets are selling warplanes to Cuba. And for Kennedy, that's a bridge too far. So he says go. The CIA, it's almost comical to talk about now. Again, we can't be seen doing this. This is supposed to all be secret, right? But we want to drop bombs on them. So what do we do? We take our B-26 bombers and we paint Cuban flags on them. And we train these exiles, these Cuban exiles to fly them. So yeah, it's my plane. And sure, it's taking off from Florida, but definitely not us. Look at these Cuban markings. Hey, that's a Cuban in the cockpit. Guy hardly speaks English. Don't look at me. They drop some bombs on Cuba. This creates an international incident. You can go on YouTube today and see the video of this. The Cuban ambassador on television screaming at us after this B-26 dropped some bombs on Cuba saying, you did this. This, this, You're bombing us. This is an invasion. What are you doing? And remember, we can't be seen doing this at all. And America looks kind of crappy. We do. We look crappy internationally. It looks like we're, we're interfering in their affairs, which, of course, we were. And this also, this, this initial bombing, it wakes Castro up. Castro, a fiery speaker anyway, gets on the microphone, gets on the radio, and he rallies his very proud Cuban people and says, these dirty Americans are coming down here to murder every one of you and take over our whole country. And Castro gets the whole country mobilizing. Well, Kennedy, again, this is early in his presidency, and it's tough for a president to withstand this kind of heat anyway, and Kennedy was a young dude. Kennedy starts getting cold feet about this entire thing. But he doesn't stop the entire thing. He just stops critical parts of the entire thing. Remember those other airstrikes that were supposed to take place simultaneously with the beach landing? Kennedy cancels them. Do you remember the diversion that was supposed to happen? Kennedy Kennedy cancels them. We had a carrier task force. You know what a carrier task force is? It's a gigantic American aircraft carrier with American fighter planes on it and then a bunch of other sweet naval ships around it. That's called a carrier task force. We had one of these designated to help this invasion. They're essentially told to stand down. They're told to stand down. Oh, no, you can be there. Just don't do anything. I, I know, I know. Chris is cringing and raising his hands. There's That's not about to get better when I describe the finishing touches of the Bay of Pigs. And then we go to our Ask Dr. Jesse questions next. Hang on. Miss something? There's a pot. Get it on demand wherever podcasts are found. The Jesse Kelly Show. Subject line says, great bang for the buck. My husband is convinced it helped his allergies. He even gifted to a friend with allergies. 
We had an awful mold problem in the bedroom that I could not seem to control. I cleaned aggressively and plugged in the Eden Pure, and after four months, no mold. Win. That's one of multiple reviews I could be reading you right now about the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. Listen to me. It kills and prevents the spreading of mold, fungus, mildew anywhere in your house. My eyes don't itch anymore from allergies. I don't sniff anymore. It is that good. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. That's EdenPureDeals.com. Use the code word JESSE at checkout. That gets you 10 bucks off. To prevent a historical assassination, only one. Who am I going to pick? I will tell you here in just a minute on an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday on the Jesse Kelly Show. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. We decide to move forward with the invasion of Cuba. John F. Kennedy, as I told you, Cancels the airstrikes, tells the air tells the carrier task force, uh, sit this one out. But they move forward anyway with 750 men on the beach. I'm still just floored by this. The CIA has some frogmen, some seals, basically. It's what you need to think of them as. They land on the beaches to mark the beaches as you know. This is hey uh, guys, this is where you want to land. Well, they're they're busted right away on the beach because Castro knows everybody's coming because you bombed them ahead of time. And then there was an international incident. It's amazing this went forward. Now there's mass confusion. Finally, the transport boats start arriving with the 750 men who are offloading onto the beach. Castro's sending airstrikes down and bombing the transport boats in the Bay of Pigs. I think some of them might still be there to this day. I think those dirty Cubans... Left them up there to celebrate it, which I don't blame them at all, actually. Left them up there to celebrate it. The Cuban exiles land on the beach. They don't have any task force surrounding them. The The transport ships also announced, the ones who survive also announced, I'm not coming back. Now you're on the beach. You are surrounded. And it's getting worse and worse and worse as the Cubans are pouring in around you, dug in, And they're starting to kill you. How many? Well, we had less than 1,000 on the beach. Castro had 20,000 men surrounding them, armed, heavily armed. The exiles are still under the impression that the task force is going to help the carrier task force. Nope. The CIA is begging Kennedy. Dude, allow us to do something. Dude, allow airstrikes. Something. Kennedy says, no, not really on the airstrikes. I'll allow you to send a couple of those Cuban-painted B-26s over if you want. They, of course, do the half measures of B-26s. They get blown from the sky. Cuba has anti-aircraft weapons at this time, and they know the B-26s are coming. It ends very quickly. 
the exiles surrender. They're all promptly given 30 years in a Cuban prison. JFK, to his credit, though, eventually gets them out of prison in 1962, although he had to pay Castro in mass quantities of food, and I believe it was medical supplies to get them out. It ends, the Bay of Pig disaster ends with JFK having a huge amount of egg on his face, Fidel Castro being stronger than ever, and the Soviet Union now realizing we have something with this guy here and America looks terrible and we can exploit it. The problems really, really compound on themselves when you go half measures on anything in life. I'm going to kind of do this, but not really. I'm going to stay, but slowly back away. Half measures are what finishes people all the time. Either invade or don't invade. Don't half invade. Don't half invade. Do you want to know why we've taken such a beating culturally? Why we've taken such a beating on the right over and over and over again? Because we are the side of half measures. And they are the side of all or nothing. That's how a tiny cultural Marxist minority became totally in control of every single American cultural institution. The right is constantly surrendering ground. No, okay, you can have a little. Oh, you want you want to spend $2 trillion? That's outrageous. We don't have any of that money. How about just $800 billion? Does the left ever do that? Nope. The left is constantly shifting the Overton window. Asking for everything underneath the sun. I'm going to pack the Supreme Court. We're going to eliminate the Electoral College. We're going to take all your guns. We're going to spend $4 trillion. We're going to search the border. We're going to t- They're taking everything. Are they going to get everything? No. But they don't have to get everything to get a win. What are we taking? What did we take? We had the House, Senate, and Presidency for two solid years. We got a couple tax cuts. Anything else? Anything else? That's the difference in mentality. That's what you and I have to work to adjust going forward. Because what we're doing now, it's our own Bay of Pigs. It only ends one way. Stevie Wonder could see this coming. What, Chris? It's fine. We can make jokes. It's time for an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday, and it's going to be a blast No guests, just me. Buckle up. On the Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of the Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years was solely dedicated working undercover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me a drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually, my drink was, give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink, the guys come in, I'm gonna go. 
go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money. Bam, I give her $100. If you're with the mob, I say, hey, Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. Jesse Kelly here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, instinct may drive you to reach for lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of deadly force. Enter the Berna Less Lethal Pistol Launcher, equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo to incapacitate an attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states, requires no background checks, and can be shipped right to your door. Visit Berna.com slash Jesse now for an exclusive 10% discount. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.